You're listening to the Leading Healthy Creative Teams podcast with Matt Curtis. This is the podcast that helps you take your creative team from wherever you are today to healthy and effective. Hey friends, thank you so much for joining me this week on the Leading Healthy Creative Teams podcast. This week is week two of our burnout series. We're going to be talking about burnout What does it look like to be burning out? You heard my burnout story last week. If you didn't get a chance to listen to that, go back and give it a listen. That really helps give some context to what we're going to talk about today. Again, I'm leveraging conversations that I had in my garage many years ago as I was working through burnout in that moment. This was about two years removed from me leaving my job, and it was me processing what does it look like to grow into a creative leader. So what I'm doing today with Lunchtime Heroes has really been born out of this long process of healing from burnout, responding to burnout, conquering burnout, but then also looking back and saying, what are the things that I did? What were the behaviors that I had or the attitudes that I had that really contributed to me moving down that road? So this week, as we hear from past me about what it looks like to identify burnout, I want you to recognize that there are some tools in this episode that can help you see if you are in fact holding on to some wrong thinking or some wrong perspectives. It's real easy in the midst of all of this to lose sight of reality. So I would encourage you to really lean into this, really implement these tests or ask these questions to yourself and answer them honestly. Because if you can't get to that point, you're probably gonna keep yourself moving down this road toward burnout. From here, we'll transition to audio only, and I hope you enjoy past me talking about how to identify burnout. This week, I wanna talk about some ways that you can identify if you're burning out. Before we jump into the two tests that I have used personally to be able to identify these things, I wanted to share three reasons why I think the church is so prone to burnout. I think the biggest thing, and again, these are all things that I have struggled with myself, we carry burdens for problems that don't belong to us. Time and time again, scripture talks to us about sharing our burdens. When I'm in my most burnout-prone seasons, however, I think it's all about me. Like, I don't think I can rely on anybody else. I don't think anybody else will even see the problems that I see or that they can solve them. And not even in a prideful, no one is competent, I just mean nobody seems to care about it. It's just not important to other people. In essence, what I end up doing is I lose sight of the fact that Christ is building his church. I'm not building my church. And so if I run into a problem that's bigger than me, a problem that's outside of my scope, let's say it's a legitimate problem that needs to be solved. It's bad for this problem to continue to exist, but it does. Christ is still building his church. I'm not building my church. And so the longer that I hold on to the notion that the problems of the church are mine to solve, the closer I get to burnout. And I think that's a context problem when we're in the church. We care about everything. I mean, you get people who are not in kids' ministry caring about kids' ministry. Why? Because they care about the mission of the church. And so this creep happens, and and we drift pretty significantly. And we hold on to too much, and that burns us out. Second, the mission of the church has nothing to do with what we're good at. I cannot tell you how much of a problem this has been. The mission of the church has nothing to do with what you're good at. Okay, I want to say it again. As a graphic designer, I was hired to help communicate clearly 
effectively and with integrity. That's what my job was. I want to help the church get better at those things. The problem, though, is that the Great Commission doesn't mention graphic design. And so I see a thousand problems in the communication space or the design space, but none of those are as important as the mission of the church. Now, I'm not throwing out the entirety of these trades that we represent. Finance is important. Graphic design is important. Productions, it's important. All these things are important. They all have value. The issue, though, is that I am supposed to be caring more about the mission of the church than the mission of my industry. And so when I get those out of balance, out of balance, I begin moving closer to burnout. And this doesn't mean that you can't use your, profic- your proficiency to move forward the mission. That's literally why you're hired. Absolutely you can. But when you start defending your industry or your trade and say, we don't want to do this in terms of moving forward the mission, you're going you're gonna to face tension like you have never faced before. And you're going to burn out. The last thing is when our gifts are not needed in the body that we're serving. I think we have an expectation sometimes that the way that God has built us is always the way that the congregation that we're serving needs to be served. And frankly, that's just impractical and irrational. We shouldn't always need the same thing. What we need to begin shifting our perspective to is we need to use seasons where our gifts aren't as in demand as seasons to prepare. And then when we're called upon, we're ready to go. The advantage, we need to take advantage, essentially, of every season that we are in. They're preparatory seasons. Great. You can't use your gifts in your job? Use them after work. That doesn't mean they just lay and they atrophy. They just lay on the side of, no, that doesn't make any sense. Use them still. Maybe you can't use them in the way that you think you should be able to use them in the context of your day job, but don't just let them go. Your leadership is not bad, if they don't want or need your gifts right now, man, I can't even tell you how many conversations I had in my head about that. And maybe today is when you should start building influence. Maybe that's what today is for, for you. Maybe today you cultivate a reputation of getting things done, of caring for people, serving leadership, being passionate about the mission, helping others. So that when the, when leadership says, you know what, man, we really need a whatever. Hey, call so-and-so because they have shown us out of the context of their proficiency that they care about us, that they're on the same page. Scripture is very clear that we are to submit to those that are in authority. And so this is an opportunity for us to practice that. I think it's completely fair for you to challenge appropriately and do your best to contribute meaningfully, even when your particular gifts are not being leveraged. For me personally, I'm a strategic thinker that doesn't always get leveraged in the context of the church. And you know what? I need to be okay with that because the season when they do ask me to help think strategically, I will be ready. If your gifts and your skills aren't needed or wanted where you are, then another option, honestly, is to find a ministry context where they are wanted. I'm not advocating that you leave on a whim, but man, it Sometimes there's just a mismatch. Sometimes it's just time's not really going to resolve it. Sometimes moving on is the right answer. When your gifts aren't needed in the body that you're serving, it can lead to burnout. 
It's a very real thing. So outside of these three kind of major areas that provoke burnout, I wanted to share some things that I personally have seen as symptoms of burnout because the next, there's going to be two tests I'm going to share with you. And each of them are really designed to help you identify if you're struggling with burnout. The things that I've experienced, you lose your ability to be self-aware. You say things like, I'm not capable of anything, let alone this job. And so some will say, oh, that just looks like depression or, oh, maybe he's just struggling. or Maybe he's just have a down day. Burnout really does a good job of hiding itself as other things. But when you lose your ability to be self-aware, that's usually a pretty good sign that you're heading that way. You try to lead people into what you feel, not what you think. You begin sharing stories that are provoking others to feel frustrated. And honestly, you just, you lose the ability to think rationally. I had a lot of conversations where inadvertently my goal was to help others be frustrated. I wasn't trying to be divisive, but that's what I was doing because I was caring more about leading people into what I felt, not to what I thought. You try to let everybody know, else know how hopeless things are. It's almost like you're holding that sign, the end is near. All of your conversations are focused on finding all of the problems. And a lot of times you start dismissing the solutions. Hey, did you hear about this? Well, yeah, but I think they're going to try this. Yeah, that'll never work. That's, those are the conversations that begin happening when you're moving toward burnout. Sometimes you try to get somebody to help you. You'll talk to anybody who will listen, but honestly... You don't really even know how to ask for help. I had a lot of conversations where I sat down and I just remember saying, Hey, can, what do I do? Like, can you help me? And, and honestly, I didn't even, this is the next concept. You can't even hear when others are trying to offer help. Even when you receive advice that could be helpful, you aren't able to see it as such. You just, you can't recognize it for the help that it is. And then I think another big one, you can't pace yourself. You begin trying to solve every problem and finish every project concurrently. You can't, you can't be okay with something being finished later. It's all got to happen now and immediately. Then you begin wondering, why is nobody else helping you? Is this all me? Am I the only person who cares? Essentially, like I had mentioned in the last, in the last episode with my own story of burnout, you really feel like you've walked into a sandstorm. Self-awareness is gone. You can't hear. You can't see, not like you used to at least. And God's quiet. And you really, you begin asking the question if anybody, does anybody even care? And when you find yourself in these places, it feels really hopeless. I mean, it really does. I remember praying for years that God would help us, really help me get out of this space, get out of these thought patterns, get out of just the weight that I was feeling for the ministry that I was a part of. And I just, I couldn't hear anything. just felt like God wasn't even responding. And so part of what was happening, and again, I'm so thankful for leaving and coming back because it's allowed me to really essentially be able to study myself as weird as that sounds. I actually went in and talked to my boss a couple months ago and I said, Hey, this is going to be a really weird question, but can you help me unpack who I was before and after this whole thing? Because Whatever I'm doing now is working in a way that whatever I was doing then isn't. And really what we began to identify, the most critical thing in the context of burnout is you need to somehow shift your perspective. We're going to talk more about it next week when we talk about how to combat burnout. But a perspective shift is critical. 
And one of the major ways that you do that is you identify specifically what are the areas where the burnout is living? What are these gaps that exist between my own perspective and the perspective of the organization? So there are two tests that I think are very helpful. It depends a little bit on the role that you play in the organization, but I'm going to share both of them. The first I call the fire drill test. Are things as bad as you feel? That's a critical word there, as bad as you feel. And so my goal is for these to be objective. I don't want opinions in these. And so it's going to take work. It's going to be hard, but you're going to have to, you're going to, have to earn it <laughs> in a sense. So write down a specific problem that you're dealing with. Start there. Okay. The f- problem I'm dealing with is a theological perspective that I don't agree with shared on the weekend. Okay. So that's what I'm going to work with here. All right. How important do you think it is that this problem is solved? Okay. This isn't like in this scenario, this isn't something that is an ongoing theological belief that you disagree with. This is a statement that was made that was perhaps even a mistake. It was a misspoken word. How important do you think it is that this problem is solved? One to 10. Think. This is not anything else. Just in your brain. Okay. How important do I think it is that a church never makes a mistake? Okay. I mean, okay. I'd probably give it like a, I'd give it a two. To, it's kind of, I mean, there's, it's not that it's not important to not make mistakes, but we have to factor humanity in. Okay. I'm gonna give it a two. How important is it that you, sorry, how important do you feel that it is that this problem is solved? Mm, well, I was pretty frustrated. I'm gonna go with eight. I was super frustrated about that comment. How important do others say that this problem is solved? So now what we're doing is we're forcing you into a conversation with somebody who is able to deal with this. All right, well, I'm going to go talk to the senior pastor. Hey, so somebody made this comment and I was really frustrated by it. Oh yeah, no, I totally get it. We've already had a conversation, but it's not really that big of a deal. Sometimes we make mistakes. Hmm. Okay. Well, other others are saying that this is a, th- a three. It warranted a conversation. Clearly not the most critical thing in the world, but this is my favorite. How important is it to your job? that the problem is solved. So see what we begin doing is we've been clouding the fact that we have a problem that's not ours to deal with, but it's somehow impacting our job. So in this one, it's a one, honestly, it'd be a zero. If I gave that option, it's a one, it has literally no impact on me being able to get my job done. And so now you have your numbers. You need to compare these numbers. How far apart are they? Why are they far apart? Why is it that in this scenario, you feel like it's an eight, but all of the other categories have identified that it's not. There's something going on there that you need to unpack. In this scenario, maybe you've made a mistake and you got called on it. Now you're frustrated that other people aren't getting called on it. I don't know. But what this test is designed to do is it's designed to help you identify these large gaps between what you think, what you feel, and what you hear. And then ultimately, how it directly or indirectly, but how it impacts your ability to get your job done. You're going to feel tension if the problems that you need to get your job done aren't being solved. Super legitimate. And honestly, you need to own that and you need to have conversations with the people who need to fix them. If your computer doesn't work and you work on the computer all the time, you need to have a conversation. You need to get your computer working. And if they're not going to, there's bigger problems here. Okay. You're not burnt out. You're not going crazy. It's literally, there's a problem that can be solved and should be. And so this test, the fire drill test lets you understand if things are really as important as you think, 
what I kept finding in my own mind, the fire alarm was going off, but it wasn't always important. In fact, rarely was it important when it came to my ability to get my job done. The second test is called the reality check test. Are you wasting your time? So often, I was trying to accomplish change that swept across the universe in a single project. And I began getting frustrated at all the silly things I was wasting my time with, air quotes. The reality is that I was trying to interject more change into a single project than was feasible for that project. And so I've come up with five questions that I like to ask myself, particularly surrounding projects that I struggle with. I think I'm wasting my time with this project. Now, again, the positioning here is your job is to support the ministry teams, okay? It doesn't really matter where you serve. It doesn't matter if you're on a... If you're on a finance team and somebody asks you for a check, it doesn't matter if you're on a design team and somebody's asking for a flyer, it doesn't matter if you're in a student ministries team and leadership says, this is what I want you to be doing. These questions are applicable for all of these circumstances. So the first question is, what have I been asked to accomplish? What is the thing that you have been asked to accomplish? Second question, why is this helpful to the client? Third question, What goals do I see that aren't being met? So is there a problem that I'm saying, hey, we should be meeting, you know, addressing this problem, but we're not. Fourth question, is this project an appropriate vehicle to accomplish those goals? And then the fifth question, what can I do outside of this project to help further those goals? In essence, what we're trying to discover here is your frustration because you want to do more or because The client is off base in what they're asking. I mix those things up all day long. Somebody would come to me with a flyer and I would say, you need to fix your theology. And say, wait, what? I'm just asking for a flyer because we're going to go to the miniature golf place and have a ministry event. Yeah, well, I think you need to change it. I can't change that with a mini golf event. Like you're saying rewrite my curriculum and have a kid go through four years of the curriculum to yield what you're asking for. Like that's just did, that doesn't make any sense. Why are we having this conversation? And so if you begin recognizing that the goals you're trying to meet or the goals that you're trying to accomplish may not belong in the project that you're frustrated about, it helps you calibrate and it helps you understand, you know what, maybe making the flyer to invite kids is actually helping the client accomplish their goals. And then that last question of what can I do outside of this project to help further those goals? Honestly, maybe it means you start serving in student ministries and you help kids grow in their understanding of God's word. Maybe that's what it means. There is stuff that we can do outside of the projects that we have on our day-to-day task list that allow us to move forward the mission of the church. But sometimes, especially in these seasons of burnout, we lose sight of that. And so that's what the reality check test is really designed to do. It's designed to help you assess if you're meeting these goals, meeting the objectives that the client's asking you to do. If you are, that's what you're supposed to be doing. You're winning. You're doing a great job. And if you see other areas where you feel like things need to grow or change or be different, maybe it's not the right project for that change to happen. But that doesn't mean you can't initiate it some other way. The bottom line is this. If you are able to identify that you're in the process of burning out, it's critical to remember 
that God is still working, God is still active, and God can heal you. That might look like staying, that might look like leaving, or in my bizarre case, that may look like leaving and then staying. But ultimately, God desires to use you, to use your gifts, to use your skills for his glory. Whether that be where you are or somewhere else, don't lose sight of the fact that you are loved. Thanks for listening to this episode of Leading Healthy Creative Teams. This podcast is just one of the ways Lunchtime Heroes helps build healthy creative teams in the church. Stay up to date on the latest by signing up for the Creative Bites email at lunchtimeheroes.co.